Hey, this is Jason Stein, and welcome to another episode of the Wellness Renegade Podcast. Here we explore the crossroads of wellness entrepreneurs like you and me, who are committed to making money while helping other people live healthier lives. People who are going up against big pharma, insurance conglomerates, and the mainstream medical model. Each episode, we journey into the challenges and the breakthroughs it takes to own our own business, pay the path through mainstream medicine, and truly become a wellness renegade. Today I'm here with renegade Paul Zelzer. Paul is the owner of paulzelzer.com, a previous counselor who's been in small business for a long time. He's also the founder of Awarepreneurs. Awarepreneurs is a community of people that are really at the, the intersection of conscious business social impact and awareness practices. And Paul, I have watched you build this community into an amazing tribe of people. And I'm excited because you also are my mastermind buddy for at least a half decade. And we have watched each other. So I want to welcome you here today, Paul. Thanks so much. Great to be here, Jason, and congratulations on this podcast. I'm so excited for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, when I've been listening to podcasts, there's so many out there, and I wanted to develop something for this wellness renegade, the, the small David versus Goliath that's really making a living, but they're doing it on their own terms. And you're someone that I've watched scale in different ways, specifically online. Like I remember a Facebook community when I first met you that was like, was it 20,000? Was it 40,000? It was a lot of people. We got it up to like 21, 22,000 people. Yeah. That is a lot of people. And what I've watched you do again and again is scale community to get people to know each other. Hmm. And when I say together is better, because it's a phrase that I say, to me, that's the essence when you're on the fringe or you're an outlier, you gotta have like-minded people on the journey. And so tell us just a little bit about your journey, like you're going along in your, your counseling and your social work practice, and then you take a left-hand turn, what happened? <laughs> that's a good question. I, turn, I took a left-hand turn at Albuquerque. No, <laughs> you and um, Bugs Bunny. Yeah, right, totally Bugs Bunny. Um, yeah, so I had a 15-year career here in New Mexico um, where I was doing a lot of really beautiful community work. You were born here, Jason, or at least raised here. So, you raised. know, New Mexico is a complicated, beautiful place. And, um, yeah, it was fabulous work doing kind of restorative justice and teen, like, drug court instead of, you know, trying to, trying to do good things for families where kids were starting to get in trouble. And it was beautiful work, and it's also hard work. I saw a lot of hard things in 15 years that um, I got tired. It's called compassion fatigue, if you want a mm. technical name for it. Mm -hmm. um, I got a bad case of it, and it was just time, you know, I also got tired of being a broke social worker, you know. Um, had a kid and, you know, had a house, and just was like, boy, every month there was more months than there was money, it seemed like, because that's the way it works when you have a family. Um, so yeah, the combination was it was time to reinvent myself and, um, I had been interested in awareness practices for a really long time and the coaching kind of world was, uh, this was like 13 years ago. The coaching world was really growing and, um, I got a hold of a book called the therapist is life coach mm. and, uh, made a lot of sense to me. I had the skills and, um, started slowly and awkwardly and you know hesitantly and start stopped quite a few times but here I am 13 years later in the role of coach and community builder and podcaster and um, really was fascinated by conscious business it felt to me like part of the thing was when you're a social worker and in the realm of nonprofits it just felt like I was always on the short end of the stick when it came to where the horsepower was on planet earth right mm -hmm. we we're always trying to like find the crumbs to you know make some little difference and i wanted to go where the horsepower was and the horsepower on planet earth at least in terms of a lot of people uh 
who have influence is money and business. And I was tired of being on the sidelines. I wanted to go into that conversation, not to be a gazillionaire or anything like that, but because I wanted to be where the impact was more possible and more feasible. And then it turned out that's been a good ride. Now I'm curious. Um, I, I was just sitting with a neighbor of mine who is doing something that they weren't really born to do and they love to write. Huh. And so that's like their, their passion. Right. And like, so when you were doing your work all of those years in the social work, like what was the big dream? What did you really want to do? Oh, that's a good question, Jason. I, I mean, I did, I, I did a lot of what I wanted to, I, you know, I, I, lived on a farm and learned how to grow things and raised a kid on a farm and created an intentional community. And work was like, I wanted to do good work that, um, first of all, do no harm, right? Just mm -hmm. trying to like, how do you support a lifestyle that was trying to make the world a little bit of a better place while I got to do these things, you know, as a kid growing up in the suburbs, I didn't know where food came from, right? Like <laughs> at the grocery I, store. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, you know, meat comes in little plastic wrap, right? Like <laughs> I wanted to learn some things about living in a more authentic life. And I wanted a career that like I said, it was about helping people. And it met that requirement for a long time. You know, it was good work. And I learned about cultures and restorative justice and healing and the human nervous system and community and showing up in screw the years and really challenging situations and having hard conversations and staying present with them. Those were, those are still some of my values. Um, so it worked until it didn't. Yeah. Okay. And, and so this social justice, this social impact piece, you know, I remember a conversation where you challenged me because I was like, well, social impact really isn't my thing, Paul. And, <laughs> and you gave me some readings and you turned me on to a woman, Lisa Renee Hall. And I started reflecting and I was like, wow, I've been pretty ignorant in this conversation. And so when you have companies, businesses, that really just want to make money, how do you turn them on to social justice? That's a great question. You know, I have a mentor way back in the day, and he talked about enlightened self-interest. And, um, and many awareness teachers talk about meeting people where they are. So if you're somebody who's like, ah, it's kind of important, or it's not really that important, or there's a company or an individual, you know, you just take a look at, let's say you and I both live in the United States, the demographics of the U.S. are changing radically, right? And the whole idea, and it's also the more dynamic and emerging markets are not middle class and up white people. So if you want to have a business that's really doing well these days, just pure on the financial level, it's much more difficult to do and it's going to get harder and harder and harder. And eventually you're basically sabotaging any possibility of creating a sustainable business if you don't pay attention to diversity and inclusion mm. issues. The, it's also younger people of all races and backgrounds. You look at the millennials and they expect diversity and inclusion. And if you're not doing it, you're just missing a huge market opportunity. That's one way to start the conversation. Just take a look at the dollars and cents. Companies that are more diverse or practices that are more diverse are more creative, they're more innovative. It's just stale, stagnant, really resistant energy to not pay attention to this conversation. We're almost on 2020. I don't know when you're going to publish this. I said in 2019, but actually it's going to be, <laughs> it's gonna it get 2020. published in 2020. Let's call it 2020. If you're not paying attention to this issue in 2020, you're basically signaling to the world that you're stagnant and you're in an old mindset and you're not somebody who values innovation and doesn't know how to do it. If that's what you want to transmit to the world. Have fun with that. That's how I'd say, that's how I think you can start that conversation. That's a, that's a great start because you're still like, as a business, you definitely need to look at the bottom line if you're going to be sustainable. Yeah, um, your business doesn't look like most most of the world is not white middle class people, right? Right, and if right. that's if that's your everything on your website, if that's everybody who's in your office when you walk in into the waiting room, you're you're saying to the world, "I'm I'm stuck in an old reality." Well, that's why I'm appreciative. Like, awarepreneurs is your community, and I've found things in there like stock photo sites that you can get people of color. Uh, you can find uh, all sorts of resources, which I really appreciate. And you have, you have a podcast as well. 
What is your goal of your podcast? My goal is to really pull back the curtain on how it really works in this intersection of conscious, but you know, in conscious business and social impact, people talk about transparency and authenticity, right? And those are, they really are important values, but the actual business part of it, we just put on entrepreneur glasses. It's a really opaque industry because it's such, it, most businesses in this space are quite small. So it's not like there's a quarterly report that says, Jason Stein tried mm. this new market. Jason got into podcasting and here, mm. you know, it was fabulous. Here's the, you know, in quarter number one in 2020, here's what happened. Here's how much it cost Jason to do it. And here's what his, his profits and his expenses were, or he tried Facebook ads, like, like that kind of, what would happen in a publicly traded or a larger company that did a quarterly report, there's actually more transparency in quote standard business than there mm. is in mm. all the, despite all the talk about transparency and authenticity. And as somebody, when I was starting, it was really frustrating to me because there's all these people making claims and I didn't know what the can you swear on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So then I was like trying to like start a business and there were, who was posturing and who was the real deal. I, now I have, real relationships but go back 13 years i was a counselor living in northern new mexico what the fuck did i know about business right so i wanted to pull back the curtain and go you know we were talking before um we hit the record button about a recent episode about barry tesler who um wrote a book called the art of money mm. and um you know barry talks in quite detail about you know she had five people 500 people sign up for her um, year-long program called the art of money you can go on her website it's a thousand dollar program that's a half a million dollars just from that one revenue stream i want right. to pull back the curtain how are people who are living a good life what are they doing how are they finding their clients what are their revenue sources and also what are their impact goals and how are they having those impact where are they meeting their impact goals where are they falling short i wanted to have really honest conversations about that stuff and take out the hype take out the like posturing because if somebody's posturing i don't ask them on my podcast you know i just want to give a plug because i'm not a huge podcast listener i listen to podcasts probably more infrequently than most hosts maybe once a week and i heard the barry tesler art of money podcast a week ago and I was blown away because I've heard her name and I know her uh, just through a colleague, Mark Silver. Um, and I had no idea the longevity, like she started her career here and she's finished her, like she hasn't finished, but she's evolved here. And it was so great because on that podcast, she just kept talking about the mistakes that she had made and the things that didn't really work out. And, and like, she just kept working the evolution of her own system and the fact that her you said like it's a thousand dollar program it's 88 dollars a month to get your money house in order from someone that's been doing it for over 20 years like to me that's just like that makes you know total sense yeah so, and how she scaled it and and that's just one example we're on like i think episode 130 or yep you, like you, you've hit 100 over 100 over episodes. 100 episodes so to do that week after week with really uh, um people who are really finding their ground and living a good life and paying the bills and having really, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday about an episode with Akila Richards um, and she is really radical. She's a woman of color as a podcast called Fair of the Free Child. And her thing is the education system is missing the opportunity so badly and doing harm in many cases with young people of color that their families should consider, you want to talk about renegade, their families should consider pulling them out of any formal education whatsoever and homeschool and how you do that and what kind of choices they've made and how they live their life as a, I mean, she's pretty radical and she's pretty much the primary income earner for the entire family. They're digital nomads. They travel the world, how she does it as living a very out of the box life and having a it. very out of the box message, you know, again, let's pull back the curtain and, and really talk about how somebody who's not living a traditional life and has some pretty radical ideas is doing it. Now, does that mean everybody wants to 
replicate Akilah Richards' life. No, but let's at least talk. How did you get there? What are you doing? How do you sustain it? And what are your revenue streams? How do you support it? And all that kind of stuff. That just It's just a sacred conversation. Because like I said, I couldn't find the real deal when I was getting started. It was just something yeah. I feel like I wanted to offer into the world. I love it. I love it. Um, I love it because people are doing different things. Like one of the things that was... Uh, clear to me in 2019 every year I choose goals and one of my goals was to get paid in Bitcoin nice. so I figured out the merchant account and and like I got paid in Bitcoin it's on and your so, website I love it man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we got to start shifting the models because if we let you know the the leaders who have been leading continue to lead it will not work out for everyone and it really is not a model that I think successful to really it's so interesting to me that if you're listening to this podcast and you're a wellness provider chances are if you are an employee of someone else and you left they wouldn't really care or notice a year from now and so to strive your own way is a really important thing if you want a livelihood like I, i know people that end up going and working for a franchise or they end up going even working for a hospital and there are exceptions, there are outliers even there, but the majority of them are not well taken care of. And our wellness is the most important asset that we have. Uh, Jason, yeah, go, tell it brother. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, well, so here's, <laughs> here's what I love, like you and I, like you, you've just, you know, you're a little over 50, I'm headed right to 50 and like working out and eating and, those things are really important to us. But where did you get into, because I know you, intermittent fasting and you know, you, you've gotten into ultra running. And like, I'm so, kind of a biohacker, totally. Man, totally. so where did that start on the journey when you were self-employed? Where did it start to get into like my wellness is really important because I gotta be operating on all cylinders. Yeah, that's a great question. So I just want to wind it back and say one of the things about being a counselor is and being in social work is um, I just watch my colleagues around me quote, and I don't think I'm not going to just pick on that field. I think this is really common is um, say to their clients how important it is to have a holistic lifestyle and take care of and eat well. And people are having heart attacks and like they were 80 pounds overweight because you're you know, if you're like seeing 32 clients a week, plus paperwork, plus meetings, plus supervision, plus, 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 when the hell, I mean, if you have a family or like, how the hell do you take care of yourself when you're working 60 hours a week and you're listening to literally heavy stories all, yeah. Er, yeah. all day, every day, like the weightiness and the, the secondary trauma that you're digesting, the, listen to the language. I mean, no wonder people were experiencing the different kinds of metabolic syndromes and their metabolism. They couldn't figure out what was going on. Like th- these were not conversations that were um, easily accessible. But if you wind it back a little bit, in high school, I was an athlete. I played lacrosse and mm. football and um, a little younger, I played soccer. But but really, that was in, in high school, I kind of found a gear that I've never lost. And I, I've had di- different relationships with it. But I like was a really intense athlete Two you know, two sports a year, basically, I was in the gym and training, get bigger for football, more weights, get leaner for lacrosse and a little more running and endurance. But like that, I was co captain of both teams in my junior year, like that is a gear I found in high school and I've had you know on again off again relationship with it but I've never really turned it off and when I was in that world it was really challenging especially once I had a kid um, with the kind of you know I carried a beeper back in the day because like (laughs) so did I go off at any time and there was an emergency (laughs) at two o'clock in the morning and I had to get in the car how the hell do you stay so part of my like wellness journey was starting a business because I realized in least in the systems that were available to me to work in financially and just like what it took to navigate those systems I was never going to live a easeful life it just wasn't going to happen it was going to be stressful and I was going to take on all the same symptoms that all the other people 
who are quoting to their clients, you should take care of wellness and live a holistic life, but we're dealing with all these health problems and metabolic issues. Yeah. I was, I was headed down that road and I was like, I, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I had a beeper. I was an acupuncturist in a hospital in Albuquerque. And just listening to you talk about the stories, this hospital was known for, it had a hospice care and it, it was the go-to place for when someone severed their spinal cord and they were paralyzed. And so the intensity of of the conversations at all times. And what I remember most about that experience was the the, uh, nurses were so great as far as a compassionate level. They um, taught me a lot, but they also were really unhealthy. And when the hospital would reward them there was always ice cream socials, right? Right. Yeah. And you could see like, who can eat like, you know, five scoops of ice cream and then go back to work. Like, right. it's just, so I appreciate that about you because I, I've watched, I would say almost every year you're getting healthier and you're it's over 50. Crazy. Yeah. I'm going to be 52 in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I've been a mild biohacker for a while now. Um, but particularly my daughter left for, well, she left for a year abroad. Um, she's a sophomore in college now. So two and a half years ago, you know, a big new phase of my life started to happen. And um, in thinking about what, how did, what did I want to do in this new phase? My business was then about 10 years and it wasn't perfect. You know, there's still goals, but it, I kind of had a sense of what I'm doing business-wise. And um I didn't just want to, I wanted to be mindful when she headed off. And one of the things mm. was I wanted to pay attention to my health. And I, so yeah, I started intermittent fasting and dialing and exercise and um, yeah, I weigh less than I do in high school. And the other day, um, I, I, <laughs> my buddies were giving me a hard time because I was in the gym doing leg presses with 10 plates on the machine it's close to 500 pounds I was doing you know and I run ultra marathons and I'm kind of surprised that I can do the physical things I can do at 52 some of it is I just have good strong genes but I eat well and yeah simple things like intermittent fasting and meditate every day Um, have a rotation of what I do exercise ways that balances out things that are endurance and have high impact with strength training and low impact and power yoga and all, you know, like a really, there's a saying in the biohacking world, make yourself N1. N1 means subject number one in a study, number one. And make, you know, in other words, continuously experiment on yourself and find what works for your body, your nervous system, your wiring and your genetics. And I've worked really hard and have come to really enjoy like people are like dude you're 52 i can't even fucking keep up with like how do you do this and it's Mm -hmm, just like mm -hmm. i think we're made with a great deal more vitality than modern culture gives us access to Mm. now i'm really curious about this because i work with a lot of providers and the providers i work with usually struggle with their awareness practice yeah and i'm wondering if you have any thoughts about why. I Be- do. Okay. Actually. I yeah. Do. Um, so a big, at least for me, and I don't want to say anybody else, but I, what I found is that I was trying to do sitting meditation too long mm. in a culture, you know, I'm really blessed to do work you and I, but we're sitting here at a computer. We're sitting, sitting is the new smoking, right? So mm-hmm. we're trying to do awareness practice in a way that's harming ourselves in some ways and benefiting ourselves in others. So my awareness practices have really gotten way more regular, way more fun. So I do seven minutes a day, right? Seven minutes. I can do that. And I used to be trying to do 20 minutes and an hour. And there's some really good things that happen when you do those. But it was also like, how am I going to do an hour of sitting meditation? And I do, I'm a really physical guy. And um, I, like I do best if I get at least an hour of exercise a day, right? And then mm-hmm. I want to have friends and I play music and like I want to cook from scratch. Like how the hell do you fit? You don't fit that all in, right? You, yeah. you, you, 
So then we feel bad about ourselves. Oh my gosh, I'm not doing all the things because all the things is like seven hours a day and you're supposed to sleep <laughs> and somewhere in there you're supposed to work. So um, there's, a, there's a number of people who are talking about something called micro habits. And mm. in other words, like a seven minute practice, like I thrive on that because I sit for seven minutes, right? And then I go do something and I've also thinking about the other things that I'm doing, let's say running outside along, along the basket, you know what that means, Jason, along the river here in mm -hmm. Albuquerque. There's a gorgeous state park that's 30 miles long along the Rio Grande. And there's literally a practice in some native tribes out here, particularly I have a contact at Zuni Pueblo and they would get up and run and greet the sun every morning. Mm -hmm. right? It's a spiritual practice. It's an awareness practice, right? So awareness practices can be, moving and physical and outdoors and breathing good air and getting sunshine on our skin, which has all sorts of benefits, not just sitting on a cushion for a long time and then feeling some benefit, but also not getting the physicality part of our wiring. You know, mm -hmm. so simple tweaks like that, a seven minute sit and then go for a run three times a week, such that I'm getting fresh air and sunlight. I'm a much happier person than when I was trying to sit for 20 or 30 or 60 minutes every day. I like it. I like it. The Zuni practice sounds like the Native American sun salutation. It totally is. <laughs> yeah, they literally call it greeting the sun. It's That's like, great. Yeah, they literally call it. So, so running can be, so if I sit for seven minutes and then run for an hour and a half, it's all awareness practice. I've done awareness practice for an hour and 37 minutes. <laughs> right. right? Not, not seven, but sometimes we miss the opportunity to really tweak because we have this story. Oh, awareness practice means blank, means sitting on a cushion and not moving and watching my breath. And then some other aspect of our being feels, you know, it's languishing, right? So yeah. that's, that's making myself N1 it means I'm experimenting with some, what if I, I went down to one minute of the day? What if I meditate one? Is there benefit for me in one minute of the day? And it turns out, yeah, but I do better with seven minutes. Right? Nice. You know, and one, I like it because I, like, I've, I haven't heard this micro habits, but I'm sure we'll be seeing books in 2020 come out. Totally. And uh, I always start every meeting with one minute uh, meditation with all my yeah. clients and even new clients. They're like, this is kind of weird. And then later they're like, I, I now do this with my clients. Right, exactly. The other thing that I appreciate that you're saying is you gotta test it on yourself. And so a month ago, I realized I was only getting to the gym three days a week and I do better at like five to six days a week. Yeah. And so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I decided to wake up at 5.30 and get to the gym at six. Yeah. And <clears throat> I was like, this could go really, like, I like sleep. I got four kids. Like, this might not work out. And it has been great because I get home just as the kids are waking up. Nice. And it's, like, so quiet. Like, I didn't realize in my own wiring I needed a little bit more quiet in the morning. Uh, and so this is like, yeah. And so I, I, I'm starting to think about the people, and I think what happens if you're a wellness renegade or you're striving to be a wellness renegade and you're not taking care of your own wellness, it's because the wiring starts to say, I don't have time. Exactly. And um, simple things, another frame, there's the micro habits, another frame, what's his name? Uh, Dan, the guy, 10% happier guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember his last name, but I read the book. But, yeah, but I think that in the wellness world, we oftentimes try to like, we expect too much from any one practice. This is going to be the thing, right? As opposed to 2% here and 1% here and half a percent there and 3% there and 7% here. And you multiply, they're all like, they're, they're multiple, they multiply each other. They're not, so um, at 52 years old and my friends are like, we should sign up for a half marathon. I'm like, yeah, let's go for the marathon, right? And we're not talking about like a flat one. We're talking about a marathon with like 7,000 foot elevation gain. Like, you know, come on, you guys, we run 15 miles every Sunday. Why would we sign up for a half marathon? That's just boring. Like if we're going to do it, let's do this. Yeah. That kind of energy is not from any one practice, but I, I used to be in the more rigid kind of like this one like intermittent fasting is gonna 
be the amazing thing, right? Mm. No, intermittent fasting is awesome and it really works for my body type. And not only do I love the fact what it does physically, but also time-wise, I only make meals like basically twice one, right? Twice a day. I don't do snacks. And when I, I never cook just one meal, I cook like, you know, three or four meals. Yeah. So I, I basically eat totally like incredibly healthy meals and I cook like once every two days, right? And the rest is just a matter of like, planning and you know think of this so i'm not in the kitchen making healthy meals like most people who think of themselves as eating well and it freed up an enormous amount of time at the end of a week i probably got like three to four hours back what am i going to do with that three to four hours right oh that's yeah. some pretty precious stuff three hours right i didn't expect that from intermittent fasting and and i just keep experimenting with these little tweaks and when I add them together I have this life that I'm kind of like I don't quite know how I got here but I'm pretty grateful for it well you got you got here through trial and error <laughs> a lot of trial and yeah. error and a lot of falling so, on my face buddy so, a lot of so let's talk face. about that for just a, a second in in the realm of wellness what did you try like People used to try the grapefruit diet and the oh, this yeah. and the that. Oh, what did you try that just like, you were like, this did not work for oh, me? Oh, you know, it didn't work for me. Well, it did for a while, but in New Mexico, it doesn't. Being vegetarian, I, I, yeah. ethi I ethically um, really eat, maybe even vegan, but certainly vegetarian. I just ethically, and when I was younger and on at sea level, it really worked. And then, you know, back in my early 30s either because i was getting a little older or i was at that point you know also very into mountain biking and other sports i was hitting it hard and i started dreaming of hamburgers and i was like fuck i don't want to eat hamburger but i'm like literally like drew waking up drooling and, and like when your body's not once multiple times right and um something happened hormonally and i tried to like fight it you know i ate a hamburger i felt better i was like oh fuck i don't eat hamburgers, blah, 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 right? I have to be vegetarian. I have to be vegetarian. I was kind of rigid about it, right? But, oh. I, you know, and I started gaining a lot of weight and I, and then like, as and, and just slowing down and my energy, yeah. blah, right? So that's more vegetarianism. And I, like, I'm, I have vegetarian tendencies, but, um, you know, the woman I'm dating was here at my place last night and I made steak because like yeah. it made her happy and, you know, I'm just trying to be flexible about this nice. stuff as opposed to. Yeah. I'm trying to think for me, it was yoga. Yoga. Like, Didn't I work, huh? hate yoga. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I told you, maybe uh, you should do some yoga. Man, <laughs> I, I am doing more stretching. Okay. Yeah. And so I believe in stretching programs and I think flexibility as you get older is right. so essential. But yoga people are just like, you need more yoga. You need more yoga. And mm -hmm. I like went to different classes and restorative yoga i can get into like that's okay. okay but like a yin yoga or a hatha yoga or like uh hot yoga like <laughs> fuck no i like i don't want to be there for an hour hating something being like everyone else thinks i should do this it's horrible oh so, so if it's horrible don't do it right? if it's for like n1 let <laughs> if if you get anything from this podcast like doesn't care. I'd like get out of what the masses are doing. Figure out what works for you. You might for be the only body, individual. <laughs> now, if you're like, you know, so tight from the other things you're doing that, you know, you're like, it's limiting your life, then like you said, find some way to address that. But you know, so if mm -hmm. yoga isn't your thing, you do stretching. So that's right. Look at what is the core, um, you know, for me, as I was aging, I was, and from all my years of contact sports and then mountain biking and rock climbing and skiing my joints my joints um it's a limiting factor for me yeah. and a lot of people as we age right you blow out a knee and then you can't like do your regular thing and then you gain weight and then other joint oh god right so i saw that path and um i really wanted to think about how do i address certain things that were important to me for healthy aging around my joints. And um, I, I didn't have, people gave me all sorts of things. You should take this supplement. You should right. do yoga, right? And um, I found, again, number of things, 3% here, 5% here, 7% here, that my joints are happier than they have been in decades. Nice. Um, but I knew what the 
thing I was trying to address and just then kept experimenting rather than taking on somebody else's answers. This is the be all end all solution to anybody with joint issues because there's always somebody who's going to tell you they have an answer to the thing that you want to change. And I've been good about not taking those on without really experimenting with myself. So let's overlay this conversation because when we're talking about you have to experiment and in experimenting, you're going to fail. And if you're a wellness renegade, you're going up against a lot of naysayers. The naysayers may be your own family, like people that are saying that's crazy or people don't want that or what are you doing or why can't you just swim downstream like everyone else? And really the listeners are the game changers, but they need the fortitude yet sometimes it's painful to be visible. Right? Like especially visible in a way of like everyone's going left and you're going to go right or vice versa. Right? And so when we're talking about social media, uh, I would say at least 80% of my clients before they really get into a rhythm, social media wants them, makes them want to throw up. They're just like, I hate, this is like a narcissistic land Totally. of selfies and food and like yeah. people that don't care and everyone's po- posting their political opinion and at the exact same time that it's like a swamp of shit there's a tremendous amount of people that need your help there yeah and so when you're experimenting Let's talk first about what's one thing you did in social media because you're really good at social media that totally didn't work. (laughs) Totally didn't work. Um, Well, two things come to mind. You said one thing and I'm going to be a renegade and and give you two. Bring it. Um, So one was trying to... um, Trying to do, trying to copy other people didn't work for me, right? Um, so I'm trying to think of an example, but basically, yeah, like when I first got on social media, I was starting to do, you know, you're supposed to like take pictures of yourself, like going to interesting places, right? <laughs> or like, yeah, eating interesting food or whatever, right? Um, and saying uh, the, the memes, like the cute little memes that were inspiring, right? Our, our mutual colleague friend, Mark Silver, talks about the tsunami of inspiration on social media. I was <laughs> trying to take part because I was surrounded by people that were doing that. And some of them were getting a lot of traction. And for me, it fell flat on my face, right? Because I'm not, like, I, I try to be a inspiring guy, but it's not like rah, rah, rah. It's like, here's a like nitty gritty. Here's a place that my face was ground into the pavement and it totally fucking sucked. And now I've learned some things and now it's working. But if I yeah. just like do the, like, everything's great and you're awesome and you got this kind of social media thing, it doesn't work. Cause that's not really who I am. I'm like, yeah, I fell on my face and I got ground for like yeah. 27 miles in the pavement. And now I figured it out. Right. And, <laughs> And when I leave that out of the conversation, my social media gets no traction whatsoever. Right. None. Right. Like zero. I remember, I'm going to tell a story about you, <laughs> that I, I came to Santa Fe, you were there at the time, to visit, and you, like, for two months, were talking about this amazing new phone you got, and it has the best camera and the best video. And, like, I got there, and I was like, so how many posts have you made? And you're like, oh, I haven't made one yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah, back in my more willing to be full of shit days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was good. It was good. And then we took pictures of this beautiful, do you remember this? It was like statues of um, Jesus in a, like a church that was- Oh, rolled. in the Rose Garden. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. The Rose Garden. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the Stations of the Cross next to the Santa Fe Cathedral, yes. And it was just like torture and beauty coming together. Yeah. And you pulled out your camera and you took some photos. I think you posted one too. So yeah. it, it was um, definitely a beginning. But even then, 
you still had a way to bring people together on social media. It was just not with photos. It was with dialogue. That, it was with that, conversation. Yeah, that's my strength is, is dialogue. And, and the thing that didn't work, which I've turned into what does work, and I, I've, I've become known. My, I've gotten quite mm, robust in my recommendation to my clients. Um, one of the things that doesn't work for me on social media is um, just trying to skim the surface. I'm not a skim the surface person. Yeah. Right? So when I started getting traction on social media is, is when I really mm, saw it as an opportunity to be in the kinds of hard conversations that people really, really want to have. Ooh, you went all the way in. Dude, I went in deep. I, I remember deep. a few conversations on your they social hard, media man. channel that, <laughs> that were blowing up in the sense of like, I was tiptoeing around because it was like, I, I do. I remember one day I chimed in on something and I hope this is okay to say, but then someone else, someone else was like, here's my PayPal account. You, you can pay me now because I'm educating you. And yeah. That was like super intense, but the way you were able to navigate, again, we're talking about the same thing again and again throughout this entire podcast. N1, you learn things by experimenting and learning what works and what doesn't work. What, what didn't work for me was to try to have those super hard conversations in a public dialogue like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So what I've learned is, and this is why if, if I haven't been on this podcast before, so I should wind back and say, hi, my name is Paul and I'm podcast obsessed. I, I love podcasting, love podcasting. And the reason why is because you can be in a deep conversation with one person at a time and then have people listen to that conversation, respond about it in that topic, rather than trying to do the deep dive conversation in a public opinion yeah. place where you might have dozens of people with very different opinions each of whom is trying to take the conversation deeper in a direction that's authentic and true for their knowledge base and experience. But it just, it, it's, it's, it's a push hard. pull. It's, it's, it's a push pull as opposed to like Jason and Paul or me and Akilah Richards have this fabulous conversation. We go deep on the topic that Akilah has thought about yeah. maybe more than anybody on planet earth. And then the next person comes and people can be in dialogue about what happens there, but you're not trying to do it. like, yeah, some really rough, hard, edgy, painful lessons learned. And the positive side of it, is that podcasting and I were like made in heaven for each other. Ah. And um, that's where I can bring in, I, I call it one of the biggest things I see, Jason, and it doesn't work for a lot of people. And this is where I've been robust with my clients making a record pretty much like if you want to work with me, you will have, you will commit to having what I call either or both a featured marketing channel uh -huh. or the protein in your marketing mix. The protein being, this is where the substance is. And if you have no substance in your marketing and you don't want to have substance, go away. I can't help you. Go find somebody who will teach you how to make pretty pictures on Instagram. I mandate to my clients, if we're going to work together, that's pretty much usually either a blog, a YouTube channel, or a podcast. Somewhere well, let's just talk about like there's, there's blog, but blog still you got to bring people over the block. So YouTube, there's tons of people on YouTube that tons might stumble upon or looking for the content you're delivering. Now you have Facebook, you have LinkedIn, you have Instagram, you have podcasting. Uh, I'm sure some wellness provider is going to be the first on TikTok and gain a million followers whatever over there. Is, but, but my question to you is, how do you know which one? You don't. Um, I started off writing long form blog posts and I got really good at it, but I hated it. It was a pain, long form blog posts. Uh, Google gives and other search engines give some significant benefits to blog posts that go deep into a topic. Um, and I learned a lot about marketing and, and, you know, sometimes I spent 14 hours on one blog post. It was fucking painful, right? I, sometimes it was yeah. two hours, Yeah, you know, a thousand words, 1500. Yeah. 1500 words. words. Yeah. Um, and I found out I'd learned a ton about doing it and I found out I don't like it. So then I started, um, then I went to video and I did a, a three day a week 
um, uh, Facebook, Facebook Live, Live. called yeah. the Conscious Business and Conscious Living Show. And yeah. I learned a ton and it was way leaner and it was funner and it was more interactive because Facebook Live, people can ask questions. Yeah. Oh, hey, Jason. Oops, I just not, hold on a second. Sorry, I hit my- <laughs> You got uh, excited. I did. So people listening don't even know that your video just went out. They don't even know out. that I might not got my video. <laughs> So I did this video thing and that was really fun. I did that for close to three years. Um, but like video, mm, I wanted to have deeper conversations and, and the more and more I thought like, what do I really want to have happen in the world? And I couldn't do it in like a 10 minute clip. I wanted to do interviews and Facebook live. There's some problems with that. I won't get into the technical stuff. But now I landed on this, we do like a 55 minute average show with somebody every week and I get to go deep and yeah, it's not interrupted by questions It's Jason and Paul talking. And then we share that in, mm. in a way that um, it, it, it brings me alive to be in these conversations. And again, like I said, I've asked some questions and have created a culture where people speak about the details of their business that many folks who are in my orbit and are start listening because I've never heard I've been these are the questions I've been wanting people to answer mm -hmm. and nobody that I know has these conversations with the regularity that you have them on your podcast uh, thank you right that's what I do now I don't care if it's a podcast or a blog I don't care if you're doing articles on LinkedIn or on your own but like we'll get it we'll get people there. But if you don't have that in your marketing mix, you have no protein, you have no substance, and I can't help you grow your business. Right. Um, you have to have it in a mature economy. And a lot of wellness providers are like, oh, but I don't know which one should I do. I'm like, I don't care. Pick one. You'll right. learn how to be a better Let's marketer. experiment. Let's experiment. This is N1, right? The right. All who is like doing long form blog forms, long form blog posts, learn how to be a much better marketer. And he ultimately decided creating long form blog posts is really stressful and and i don't want to do it anymore so then but i didn't stop marketing i went to the next thing and, and i learned a lot in each phase of that and that's i think why i'm still here 13 years later even though like there have been lean times and i've made mistakes and um but this point in my life life is really 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 good and getting better because so i've stayed with it i want to just speak to the listener for a second because as you're speaking, I believe that this podcast will be listened to wellness providers and people that are really holding the torch for people to be healthier, live healthier lives. And just like the experimentation with treatment protocols of do we do this or do we do that? Or if we're eating and, and your nutrition, do we do it this way or do we do it that way? You start to work with a patient or a client and you fine tune and you get better over the years. And what you're saying, it makes total sense. You have to do that in the business world as well. Because yeah. for the listener, I believe there's many of you that are doing that with your patients and your clients, but you're not doing that with your business. I call it hiding behind a paywall. Yeah. All the good stuff is like, yeah, but I do such great work with my clients. How come my business isn't going totally viral? Because I know this one person who barely had to market and they have a full practice <laughs> and there's something all fucked up with me because I do yeah. incredible work when somebody pays me money, but I resist giving any sort of genuine generous content in any ongoing way. And then I wonder why I'm struggling and yeah. I'm like, can't help you go somewhere else. We need to start there. Yes, there are the outliers where somebody's just in the right market or what. For whatever I call them the Pied Pipers. There's usually yeah. one in a crew yeah. or a crowd that just and could do just, anything. They could do anything yep. and they landed it, but they're the outliers. There's nothing yep. wrong with you if you're not one of them. And the 97% or 99% who just have to build a business in this marketplace where it's more mature, there's a lot of wellness providers. I think there's a fabulous opportunity. It's a huge industry and I think it's only going to continue to grow. But the idea that we can be lazy and not market, I, I don't you're talking to the wrong guy if you want me to say just go out there and do good work with your clients and your business is going to grow now yeah. you don't have to market obsessively or you, you can market with complete integrity and you can find your own pacing with it but if you don't want to market and you want your business to grow go find some other coach who will join you in that fantasy mm. i just i appreciate 
you being here today. And, and like my takeaway is this N1, because mm. I, I haven't heard it described that way, but I understand it completely. Right. It, and I, like, I'm just like, I'm in, because I, I feel like everyone's saying you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And like, maybe. <laughs> I'll experiment with it, but I'm not all in. I yeah. uh, like, I'm going to like, watch the data and see how it fits for this nervous system, this set of DNA, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm just getting warmed up. This is my uh, second podcast and uh, you're over a hundred. And so um, what words of wisdom would you have for me? Oh gosh. Um, just keep doing it is the big one, right? When I look back at and one podcast and two podcasts, like, I did the best I could, but I'm like, I'm really relaxing. I'm getting more direct. I'll yeah. say shit like, yeah, you don't want to do this. Go find another coach. I wouldn't say that <laughs> when I like, um, or, um, I'll ask harder questions. Mm. I'm getting better at who the guests are that my audience wants to listen to, but all of that's come from experimentation. So just time. keep doing it, keep doing it. And, and don't, don't, lock yourself into what somebody else tells you you should be as a pod go like walk some edges and find that place that here here's a quick story I'll t i tell this story a lot the best coaching i ever got wasn't from a coach it was from a ski instructor my brother and i were really good skiers on the east coast where it was quote hard pack in other words very icy conditions and my brother was on the ski team. He could finesse his way down. I was uh, not the most f finesse <laughs> skilled skier, but I was really strong, could muscle my way down most things on most mountains on the East Coast. We came out West when we were like 13. I was 13 or four, 14, and my brother was 12. And it had snowed. We were at Arapahoe Basin, one of the highest mountains, and it had snowed 16, 18 inches, amazing powder, and we couldn't even ski the bunny slope. We were falling on our face. We didn't know how to do it. We had the equipment, whatever. And we were like hearing about powder. Here we were. This is like Shangri-La for skiers. And we couldn't even do the bunny slope. And we were like so frustrated. So we took a lesson. I don't even remember his name. But basically what he did is for an hour, he said, okay, we get to the top. We're on the bunny slope. He said, I want you to lean so far forward on your skis that you feel like you're going to fall on your face. Back off 2% and ski at that, ski like that. And then I want you to lean so far back that you feel like you're going to fall back and smack your head and come up two or 5% and ski like that for a while, right? Ski really far to the right. Um, and at the end of an hour, um, we were skiing blue diamonds. And by the end of the day, he didn't teach us anything. He just gave us permission to experiment with mm -hmm, our stance. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the day, we were skiing experts, not double diamonds, but black diamonds yeah, in conditions yeah. we'd never skied before, just because somebody gave us permission to experiment and literally find our own stance. Right? Nice. Nice. That's the takeaway. If you're listening, I know you've been thinking about experimenting with something and you just haven't done it yet. So get to it. <laughs> Paul, people will want to know more about you. Um, tell them where they can find you. Um, I have two businesses basically closely related. I do one-on-one -on -one and small group coaching at paulzelizer.com, Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R. And this community that Jason's referring to, we're about over 300 people um, who are helping each other learn how to grow these kind of businesses, resources, and sharing. That's called awarepreneurs, the first part of the word awareness, the second part of the word entrepreneurs, awarepreneurs.com. Thank you. And thank you for being here today. Uh, it's so good to be here. Thanks, Jason. <laughs>